Welcome to the Churchmount Sheepdogs podcast. In this series, I interview handlers and experts from Ireland and indeed from all over the world. And the aim of the series is to spark new ideas for training and trialing for the listener as a result of these conversations. The series is in part sponsored by Away With Dogs, a new sheepdog trial YouTube series. And you can find out more on awaywithdogs.co.uk. Just got into Hollyhead there this evening, and I'm with Ian Carroll of Glanigore Sheepdogs. And uh, I was picking up my dog Bruce. He, he had him there for a month there, and, and he was getting some bitches and that. But Ian stands dogs for fellas, and so he has uh, he has uh, James McGee's seed is here, and he's been here for most of the winter. And uh, another dog that everybody will he- have heard of is uh, Serge van der Sweep's Gary. Ian has both of those here, so. You know, I always think, you know, it's for, people say, oh, sure, we just, we'll, we'll breed the dogs and all, but it's not that simple. Lots of people think you just stick a dog and a bitch together, but I, I know, you know, I've got bitches over the years and it's never that simple. How do you manage with all the different fellas coming with bitches and all? How do you tell fellas to have them ready and, and surely it can't be easy? No, you, you, usually when they ring me and they say, listen, I've got a bitch and I'd like to bring her to, say, your dog or any stud dog at all, try and get the bitch to me as soon as they can if they're bleeding. I'd rather have them when they're bleeding actually and, and then you know I can watch them myself and you've got it under your own control then but you get a lot of people that ring you then and say listen um, me bitch and she's probably stopped bleeding a day or two can I bring them down or you know and that, and that can be a bit too late and a waste of time it's frustrating for me and I suppose it would be for the stud dogs as well really what you want to do is get control of that situation straight away and, and get the bitch to your kennels and then it's under your control then and take it from there and so that's the thing you don't mind taking in a bitch for a fella uh, just and you keep an eye on it. the other thing I often think and I say to fellas is like you know when I'm sending home a bitch is to you know keep her safe or keep her safe before they get to me but if you take them in yourself then at least is that what you mean by being able to control it yeah because you can control you can nearly tell by the colour of the blood like if she's deep in blood deep, deep red you know you're halfway or you're midway through it and you're waiting for it to turn like a pinkish colour and, and start to stop itself and you know you're only two, three days away, and then you keep an eye on that. But if um, they're bringing it to you, and when did she stop bleeding? Or two days ago, you're sort of you've lost control. Then, like you, you could be just over because it, it's only a small window what you have, and you're more relaxed if you've got the bitches there in the kennel. You're more relaxed, and there's a lot of pressure on because these lads they're sending bitches down from Scotland, they're coming over from Ireland as well. And it doesn't really matter where they're coming from, even if they're only coming from ten miles down the road. The pressure's on you. And you've got to get the job done. You can't just ring them up and say, listen, your bitch didn't take her, you know, and just act all calm about it. The pressure's on you. Uh, and a lot of the nights, actually, I stay up thinking which bitch is next and what bitch am I going to put the Gary or, or any dog. But you've got to, I've had three bitches there at the one time, actually, and three of them nearly hit on the same day. And that's when the pressure's on. You've got to get that right. Because at the end of the day, them lads are putting a lot of time in and, Put a lot of confidence that you do get the job done, like when I mean, send the bitches back and that they are put because there is a lot of money involved as well in, in that way of thinking. Like, I mean, so you've got to get it right. Yeah, funny. See, that's the sort of thing that that we can kind of forget about and gloss over. And like that, when a fella comes to me with a bitch, it's like you said, I feel a sort of an obligation. We have to get her in pup because, well, we have to get her in pup if she's in season right now because otherwise it's going to be six months later, and I don't want to miss her just because I'm, you know, not up to the job, you know, of getting her right. But that's interesting now. But and tell us what happens when you have three bitches coming in the same day. 
usually what I did, I was lucky, I had a, like a day window between the tree them, um, I'm sure it was. What I did, I put uh, the tree them in with Gary, and the first one was sort of messing about, and I thought, alright, you know, she'll be ready tomorrow, but then the second one, she just took to the dog straight away. Okay, that's that job done. So I put her to one side, at least I've got the one in there. So then you put the next one in, and you try and balance it out, you know, over the next couple of days. Try and give them this one, then give them the next one two days later, and then the next one. So you've got to try and fill it in, even though it's a, it's a close window, but you fill it in. But I don't think there's one that did go away, Baron, to be, to be honest with you. Apart from the one, there was one that did get there, and she was way too late. I mean, that, that, was, just, that was just a week too bloody late. But I don't think there is a bitch that, that left that hasn't been in pub, to be honest with you. Yeah, I know what you mean. You, you can't work miracles with someone if they arrive no. too later. <laughs> when some of these fellas say to me, oh, I know she's coming in heat because the neighbour's dog is here, and I'd be sort of sweating and I'd be thinking it could be too late now. Maybe the neighbour's dog was successful with that little window. But uh, I know you work with the owners too that, that sometimes you take stud fees and sometimes you take pups. And, and I'm always curious, how do you decide when to know, look, we want to keep a pup out of this one? What sort of informs that decision? So it was really, um, I thought I'd put that decision, I'd leave it with Serge, and then he put it back in my court, he said, no, I'll leave it with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, really what you do is, um, if, you, if you've got enough of stud pups at the time, I don't really take any more and just take the money. And that's sort of just the way, the way it goes. But if I don't have enough of pups and, and the breeding's there and that you like it, well, then you'll take a pup back out of that if there's enough in the litter. So sort of straightforward, and it's... Good for everybody, isn't it? Really, at the end of the day, if she's in pup, then fair enough. You they pay the money. If she's not in pup, well, then that's it, isn't it? And then uh, it's great. You get a good look at you know what you're breeding, and well, sure, Gary's been breeding pups for a long time, so you kind of know what you're going to get. And likewise with Sid, but it must be good for the for the the owner of the bitch too. Sometimes when you keep a pup, because I see you there, and and like you break out a lot of those pups, and I see you starting them and getting them going, and and some you keep longer than others, but they're always going and. I wonder, Ian, like, how do you get them started, or do you be out a lot with them, or, you know, what's your recipe there, because mine all don't come out of the box the way yours seem to, could you tell me a bit about that? It's a, it's a lot to do with the sheep, I always think, you know, it's a lot to do with the sheep and the person that's doing it. If you get the right sheep, and you really need the right sheep when you're starting these pups off, you don't want big heavy sheep that will hit, hit a pup, I mean, nobody wants that, but I always thought the best sheep for it was the Hebrideans. And if you put two Hebrideans, you know, in the ring, where they've got plenty of space, but not too much, so a dog can catch up with them. You don't want them running too far. It catches the pup's eye a lot quicker because the Hebrideans are moving a lot quicker. And then you start to see this pup has got nice thorns on it. It's got a nice walk on it. And then after a few days, the tail starts to drop down. But I definitely think it's a lot to do with the Hebrideans. When you're showing pups or for the first time in sheep and really getting them started, I don't think you can beat the Hebrideans for that type of job, to be honest with you. It's funny, I talk to a lot of people and nobody, you're the first fella that said to me that the sheep are very important uh, and and I, I've seen those Black Hebrides video in, in your videos and that and but and even to start with two, I'd be thinking four or five or six or something but two, it, it, it looks to me they're like, it, it's nearly like cocaine for pups after a while but how do you get them up and or does, how does it get that it's, they look like they're addicted to them but how does that happen is what I'm sort of wondering about. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like the that, like I see them with yours, and and they're twisting and they're turning and all. And is it the sheep doing that to the pups? There is it driving it's, the pups mad? Like? The Hebrides, it's the movement of the Hebrides. They're 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 quick and they're fast, aren't they? And 
and really you can see it in the pups the pups are on fire then because the pups know these are quick and these are fast and how are we going to trap them because it's it's their instinct is to trap them isn't it uh, when them Hebrides are moving quick and fast and then the pups are on fire then and that's what, if you put three or four pups together one encourages the other but if you've got like you said there four five six sheep say heavy sheep or, or any kind of sheep that weren't Hebrides like training sheep and they're standing there like in a pack then the pups are looking at them and them sheep aren't moving that intimidates the pup then straight away then the pup is standing back thinking I don't like the look of this now you know and I've seen that with many pups if you've got heavy sheep standing and they're standing looking at the pup that, that's a that's a bad way to start because you're not encouraging really what it's like growing up isn't it you really want to encourage them and get the confidence high up and get the confidence absolutely sky high and the way to do that is the Hebrides because the Hebrides they're not a threat to the pups the ones I have anyway they're, they're well dug but they're not a threat to the pups and, and they will move quickly and sharply to try and get away from the pups and the pups like that then because the pups think well we're in charge now these are running away yes, and this is yes, a big game yes we're going to catch them now because we're in charge but if you've got big heavy sheep standard intimidating and looking at the pups so that's not the way to go about it so you really do need to get the right breed of sheep to start the pups off on yeah yeah um, that's interesting now you're reminding me of the terrier chasing the postman away when he puts the letters in and then the postman goes away and the terrier thinks he's a big fella yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah. nowadays Ian I see like I think it's great years ago when I was at 20 years ago I never saw pups travelling around the world the way they do now do you find that like do you export a lot of them or who buys them or where do they go or how does it work uh, because I, I know you can't keep them all where do they go yeah quite, quite a few of them um, over the last two years with me anyway quite a few of them seem to be going quickly now and especially abroad they seem to be going but the ones I keep back and um, start them off myself they're mainly going um, around the UK to be honest with you although I have had one or two did go out this season as well for them but there seems to be a, a bigger demand for them for pups for, for the right breed now I mean you get a lot of people saying oh I'm not selling my pups for them and you're selling loads of them for them but, but it comes down to the breeding as well doesn't it you've got to get the breeding right although we don't all know what's going to work but you know Facebook has widened everything hasn't it and there's a, a bigger audience for, for everything and you get the pups nice and sharp and shown nicely and good pictures and good pedigree and all the tests are done a good pup will sell itself you don't need to sell it yes. the only one you really need to sell is a how are you going to sell a bad one? I mean, nobody can do that. But a good pup that really shows herself, or like Grace, I've got Grace there. She sells herself, and maybe Chloe, she would sell herself as well. Them type of dogs sort of sell themselves, don't they? Yeah, yeah, and then end up going more locally. But if somebody in America wants a pup, or somebody in, I don't know, or, well, Holland is not as far away as it used to be, or, or, or the continent, but I know you send them further away. Is it a big job to, to get them right on... I don't know, passports or paperwork or vaccines, is that a lot of trouble or is it a fairly straightforward thing? It's very straightforward actually. I thought a funny thing happened there a couple of months ago. I sent um, two two out to South Korea a few months apart. Oh God, yeah. And I thought, oh Christ, this is going to be bad. South Korea, how the hell do we start even go about this? It's hard for us to get there. Yeah, yeah, never mind. And I. The vet, the agent sent the vet the paperwork, the vet done the paperwork, and I went and seen the vet the next day, and I said to him, what was the paperwork like? I thought it'd be a big list of things, and he said the paperwork was actually one of the easiest paperwork that he ever had to do, considering it was so crazy, that I thought it was going to be, you know, really complicated, but it was actually straightforward, and it was actually a lot easier than sending a dog 
uh, say America or, or Belgium or, or Norway it actually worked out the Korean one was actually a lot easier than just selling 10 miles down the road it was fairly straightforward actually yeah. <laughs> that's brilliant and Ian is this fairly simple thing that you just go to the airport and they might have the pup like in 10 or 12 or 16 hours later or something is it that straightforward like he just gets off on the other side the same as we would if we were flying ourselves yeah I think um, one time they just had to there was one going um Actually, them two that went to South Korea, one had to stop over in Holland that night and then it went out the next morning, but one actually didn't stop. I think the last one never stopped and that went straight straight to South Korea. And I, I got a message that night, well, say that night, about 12, 13 hours later, that the dog was actually in Korea or they were, <laughs> they were about to pick it up, Natasha. That was bloody quick, like, I mean, the way that happened. Yeah. But um, one, one did stop over in Holland and then get the next uh, flight out to, out to South Korea. So it's fairly straightforward, um, and good agents, they sort everything out as well, don't they? That's yeah. handy as well. Uh, you've been looking at a lot of Gary and a lot of Sid pups, and, and uh, a bit of luck now, you'll be looking at a few Bruce ones next year, and I'm, I'm hoping you'll be there in six months' time, and you'll be telling me how great they are with a bit of luck. But listening, uh, it's been great talking to you there, and sure, no doubt I'll be talking to you again fairly soon. And thanks for keeping Bruce and, and sorting out fellas there for me. Thanks very much for that, Ian. No problem. Pleasure. Thanks, Bruce. So thanks for listening. I hope this interview has sparked some new ideas for you. If you want to support Churchman and to learn more about us and how we train dogs, you can become a Patreon subscriber over at our website at churchmansheepdogs.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube at Churchman Sheepdogs.